Thanks so much for tuning in to the Bethlehem Church Podcast, where our goal is to offer you compelling biblical content to equip you to live an empowered Christian life. Today, Pastor Matt's preaching through 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Let's jump in. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We're going to start off by reading verses 1 through 4. Paul, Paul is circling the wagons here. He is buttoning up. We have gone through another book of the Bible here at Bethlehem, and that's exciting. I love preaching chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and walking through it. And so uh, we're going to deal with topics here this morning about giving. Paul talks about an offering. Um, we're going to deal with topics of church leadership. He talks about that. And then he gives a final uh, word. And when I say he gives a final word, it's like a final four words uh, that he gives that he encourages this church uh, to live in and walk in and walk through. Um, so we're, we'll, we'll be there uh, at the very end of it. Um, and then that's it. We'll shut it down. So we'll, we'll start off here and we'll walk through uh, at a time each section. So 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we'll read verses 1 through 4 to get started. Uh, right there in verse number 1. And if you don't have your Bibles, but you have uh, your smartphone, you can go to the program from our website and follow right along with my notes. Uh, and the scriptures are in there as well. So verse, uh, chapter number 16, verse number 1. Now about the collection for the saints... Do the same as I instructed the Galatian churches. So that, that's interesting, right? What he's saying and telling them to do, he has had other churches uh, that are in this network to, he's instructed them to do the same thing that he's about to say to the Corinthians. On the first day of the week, what day is that? Sunday. What are we doing right now? We're gathering on the first day of the week. Do we see a pattern here that, that kind of stuck, right? On the first day of the week, each of you is to set something aside and save in keeping with how he is prospering so that no collections, so about the collection, what are we talking about here? We're talking about money. So that no collections will need to be made when I come. When I arrive, I will send with letters those you recommend to carry your gift to where? To Jerusalem. Verse number four, if it is suitable for me to go as well, they will travel with me. So we see here that there is a collection happening for the saints at Jerusalem. Paul has also instructed other Gentile churches, as he says at Galatian, Galatia, he's instructed other churches as well to get in on this benevolent offering. Uh, so Many times as I've approached this, good to see you, Mr. Dave. How are you? You living the dream? Doing okay? <laughs> um, Amanda's like, he can't hear you. <laughs> I love you. Love you. Uh, I thought often that, you know, mainly his missionary journey was just about starting and planting churches. You know, where he was just going around and Paul was this incredible evangelist, but there's more to it. There's more to the story. I read a uh, biography from a modern-day scholar named N.T. Wright, uh, which I would recommend to you. And he, he told me more about Paul than I could have ever imagined. Um, there's so much more to uh, his missionary, what we call missionary journeys. And what this text here reveals to us uh, is a part of that. It reveals a part of Paul's 
missionary journeys were to collect this offering. It was this big project, if you will, that, that would allow a collection for the saints at Jerusalem. All right, let's all, you know, you know how I am. I got ADD. All right, let's all sit tight and, and buckle up. I mean, my goodness, let's sit, sit still. Everybody got your coffee, your drinks? We good? All right, let's go. Uh, man, we may have switched my, just turn it down a little bit. Turn it down a little bit, gain it down a little bit, and then check your online. You can boost it online, but turn it down in the house. Maybe that'll help the, the squeaky, because I feel like I can't move, and that's not good for me when I have to preach. There we go. Hey, all right, now we can move a little bit. Thank you. Hey, my wife's here. You made it. That's awesome. Yeah, praise the Lord. And I think that's my newest offspring in that little carrier. Or, or she's just carrying it around for sympathy. I don't know. It's probably empty. Oh, little Rex. But uh, hey, that, that did my heart good to see my wife in church today. Um, so anyway, there's more to this story. Now I can straighten these up a little bit, I think. There's more to the story about Paul's missionary journeys, and a part of that is this offering. So if we get focused on just the money and we miss the point of what he's trying to do here, then we miss a blessing. Uh, and, and I want to sh- kind of share with you the theme here that happens, and I'm going to do that by reading another portion of Scripture that's a parallel with this story here in 1 Corinthians. So in the book of Romans chapter 15, verse 25 through 33, we have a parallel passage about this offering. And if you're unaware of how the New Testament works, Paul has 13 letters that he's written to churches, so all of them are really applicable at the same time. So you'll find that like in the book of Acts, you have a 30-year historical record of the church, right? And so that 30 years, you'll find the book of Corinth in certain places of the book of Acts. Uh, And likewise, in the book of Romans, when he's talking about certain things, it's not linear. It's not chronological when you read the New Testament. You can't just walk your way through and think that it's some kind of story that continues. It's all one story uh, and, and hitting it from different perspectives, if that makes sense to you. So we find a parallel passage in Romans. Check this out. This, this brings insight to what he's saying here about this offering. Right now, verse 25 of chapter 15 of the book of Romans, right now I'm traveling to Jerusalem. Now in our text here, we find that in verse 3, carrying their gifts to Jerusalem. This is the same offering that he's talking about. And, and in chapter 25, he says to serve the saints. He's collecting an offering from all the churches in the network for the saints in Jerusalem. Verse 26, because Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Now that kind of like really shows the the cards, if you will. In Jerusalem, there was the church uh, that was struggling there. And I'd say this, Jerusalem, the hub where most of the Jewish believers were, they were there and they were impoverished. And and think about the book of Acts to Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of, of the earth. The gospel came to Jerusalem. We have at Pentecost where the Holy Spirit fell and the church began. Everyone was there at Pentecost, this feast and this celebration, which he's going to talk about in verse 8 of our text, has everyone traveling to Jerusalem. And, and my point here is that it wasn't, Paul's missionary journeys were not just to plant churches, 
It was to bring unity in the body of Christ during the first 30 years. And really, in this book, the theme constantly that he's going back to is unity. He's constantly going back to it doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a what? Or a Gentile. The point is to worship together. It, it was an exclusive Jewish religion, but now it's not. And, and think about what's happening. You have the church at Jerusalem that if there was any way, any way at all to bring unity to the body as it's exploding, think about it, persecution, heavy pressure on these Christians is causing them to run, which does what? It causes the gospel to run. It causes other communities to be exposed to that. And here's what I'm saying. As it traveled, you still have the boundaries of ethnicity within the church. You still had the Jewish believers who thought they had the marketing edge on the gospel. They had a deeper understanding, and that may be true in some cases. But the point was not for them to keep what they had, it was to give it away. And the point is for those that got what was given away, it was for them to reciprocate and pour back into a body to make it stronger and deeper and then wider. So here's what's happening. We have a Corinthian church that they're all over the place, right? Doctrinally, they're a mess with the gifts. They're a mess with the doctrine of, of the, really the gospel, right? The crucifixion, the resurrection. There were people there that didn't even believe in the resurrection. Paul has addressed all of these things. Paul has confidence that the Lord is going to continue to work in this body of believers and that they're going to get it. And when he circles the wagons, he says, now listen, here's what's important. I know they're in a port city. I know that financially, remember the lady, uh, what's her name, Chloe, in the beginning of chapter one, he knows that there's money in this church. And he says, there's Jewish brothers and sisters in Jerusalem that they're impoverished, they're struggling. And nothing will unify the gospel efforts more than if a Gentile church and community takes their money and blesses a poor Jewish community. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. You, you see, the gospel is something that transcends our prejudice. The gospel is something that transcends skin color. It transcends stylistic preaching or how the methodology of how we do ministry. It transcends all of that. It is all about Jesus. And Paul knew it. Paul was like, listen, I know what's going to create unity. All of you, dig into your pockets, pull it out, and let's give an offering to this church. Can you imagine the faith that built up in these Jewish believers? A Gentile community. I take you back to a story when Jesus met a woman at the well. And she was a what? A Samaritan woman. She was a half-breed. They didn't even worship together. We worship in that mountain and you all worship in that mountain, Jesus said. There's going to come a day when true worshipers, they will worship him in spirit and in truth. And when the spirit came, it moves, it goes. It doesn't matter what the location is. It matters where your heart is. That's what matters. And so Paul says, listen, I want to see, I want you to put your money where your mouth is. That's what he says. And he says to them, if you, if you can get in on this big, giant collection effort, and that's what it is, scripture after scripture after scripture puts this project together, Paul is like, we will be a unified front. 
Where does that leave us today? <laughs> Are you about to talk about money, Pastor? Yup, <laughs> sure am. Mm-hmm. Show them. <laughs> yes, I am. Look, it, it's, it's not enough that we just claim to be Christian. We have to live like it. We have to act like it. What we say has to be matched with what we do. And Paul, there's no greater, there, there's no greater way to show that than we contribute, than when we contribute financially. Look, I know everybody's in a different place. Some of you have been saved three weeks, and you're here in this church, and you threw a $10 bill in for the first time three weeks ago, and you were like, You'd have thought you just wrote a million-dollar check to the church. $10 in the basket. And we don't even pass the basket anymore. You know what I mean? And, and I'm not demeaning that. I'm not belittling. Look, little is much when God is in it. We know that. Look, if he can take five loaves and two fish and multiply and feed probably 25,000 people, look, he'll take your $10 and make it a million. I know that. It's not about the amount. But there are principles that we wrap around what we do for Jesus that, listen, when you're three weeks old, you can apply them when you're 30 years old as a Christian. And so what I'm going to discuss today are some, a framework that I see around this offering and around this collection that I think will be a blessing to you. And then we'll move on from that. Here's what I see. I see this. I see here's some observations about this offering where we just read here in the text. Oh, before I do that. Man, I almost missed the best part. Let's go back to Romans. I, don't, I didn't finish it. Verse number 27 in Romans chapter 15 says this. Yes, they were pleased and indeed are indebted for them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual blessing, then they are obligated to minister, them, minister to them in material needs. You feel me? You see what Paul is saying there. Look, if you're a Gentile and you receive something vicariously through the Jewish faith... Ultimately, that's the vehicle that Jesus chose to bring the gospel. Then, then you should give the poor Jews something physical because they gave you something spiritual. What's Paul saying? It's more valuable what you receive spiritually than what you have physically. We have a whole bunch of people in church that value still their bank accounts more than their spiritual account. And that's a problem. Let's keep reading. Hold on. Stay with me. Oh, we're getting there. Oh, I'm going <laughs> to. So when I have finished this, verse 28, and safely delivered the funds to them, Paul, and safely delivered them. I think he, Paul had some kind of armored car, I guess. This is the first uh, Brinks truck right here. When I safely deliver the funds to them, I will visit you on my way to Spain. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in prayers to God on my behalf. It's not just financial as well, it's spiritual. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea, that my ministry to Jerusalem, the financial ministry, may be acceptable to the saints. He's saying, look, these are some proud folk. It's going to take prayer for them to even receive something from Gentile communities. So you got to bathe what the Lord is leading you to do in what? In prayer. That my God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed together with you. May, God bless, may the God of peace be with you all. Amen. All right, here's some observations. This is probably all we'll get through today, but maybe we'll, we'll reach to the next spot. Number one, here it is. What I see about this offering here. Everybody on the same page? 
Paul's creating uh, and offering a collection among all the churches, all the faith communities, and that's why he had a missionary journey to all of them to collect this offering and take it to where? Jerusalem, all right? Verse number eight in our text of 1 Corinthians 16, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost because a wide door for effective ministry has opened up for me, yet many oppose me. Paul's intention is to travel and take this collection to Jerusalem. That message is clear in our text, and it's clear in this book uh, of Romans here talking about the same offering. So here's the first thing I see. Number one, it was something, the offering, the offering, the collection, it was something that required trust. It was something that required trust. And I know we're talking about finances today. We, we go next chapter, next verse here. So we don't, if it's your first time here, we don't preach on money every week. We preach on it when it's there in the Bible. And so some of you, listen, I'm going to say some things uh, that are super practical about money and about finances. And what I'm saying to you, I have practical understanding of how it works. Not just spiritual understanding in the text, but my wife and I practice this. My wife and I actually believe this, and we've seen what I'm going to tell you work out in our own lives. We, have, we haven't always had what we have. We haven't always been where we are now. The Lord has taken us through seasons, and we may be in a totally, a, a completely different season in six months. We don't know, but we trust the Lord's will. We trust the Lord's principles to lead us through those, those moments and those seasons and those times. And so many of you will hear biblical principles around this financial piece, maybe for the first time, and that's okay. Some of you have been doing this for years. Some of you, this is a, a well-oiled machine in your life, and that's great. That's phenomenal. Maybe some of you that it is a well-oiled machine, you need to get somebody under your wing that it's not so well-oiled and, and disciple them in this matter. I believe, listen... I believe now more than ever that the Lord has an incredible future for this church. Like the Lord has, he's got a plan. This wall, I don't care, one of these walls is going. Like we're, I mean, I'm getting a sledgehammer in here one week, and we're hitting one of them. It, it's, it's, let's go, let's go. Where's my tool belt right now? I'm ready to run through it. No, Frankie, love you, bro. Simmer down, hot sauce. All things in due time. All things in due time. Here's the thing. Sorry. <laughs> I love you too. Here's the thing. Like, in order for the Lord, look, look at the effort here. In order for the Lord to accomplish his work here at Bethlehem, we all have to work together. We all have to own these things that Paul's talking about. Here's the first thing I see. Number one, it was something that required trust. Here's the line here from our first few verses. Paul was heading it up and collecting it, and it was for a distant community. You know what? And some of these things will directly apply to what we have going on. Other, uh, others, not really. Um, but I know some of you give to missions every week. Some of you give to, to far-off things that happen. But honestly, what was happening was for the strength of the local church, and it required trust. Where, where are we in our finances? Where are we in what we give to the Lord? Listen, it requires trust. Maybe some of you have been giving for years and years and years, and you don't trust anymore. So, so this is twofold, right? It's those of you that are doing what you think is right, but there's no trust. Are you really doing it? Let me ask you a question. Does the Lord really need your money? 
He doesn't. He needs your faith. Without faith, it is impossible to put. No, without my offering, that church would go in the toilet. You know what I'm saying. Look, you really think, and, and here's the reason why I say it. I say it because I hear it. I hear it. Do you know what so-and-so gives? <laughs> I saw that offering envelope before it went into the black box. I saw the number, and there was an extra zero. <laughs> Must be doing well. Look, we all give for different reasons. But what I see about, what I see about this offering, <laughs> stay with me now. What I, they're like, why don't you stay with the scripture? Stay out of my preaching. Here's what I see. I see a project and a collection that requires trust. Look, if we are ever going to get to this place where the Lord is blessing our lives, and I'm not, please do not confuse me for a prosperity preacher. I love Mr. Olstein to death, but that's not me. That's not this. Look, it's just not. We, we don't give to get. What we get is incredible favor of the Lord. What we get is peace. What we get is love. What we get is hope. What we get is the thing that the church offers, but it requires trust. And so here's what I'm saying today. Look, for you to say, I have these finances that the Lord has called me to steward, and I don't know what to do with them, the first step is to just trust the Lord. Before you ever determine what the amount is, just trust him. But, um, I mean, I trust him with, like, spiritual things and, like, healing and stuff. But my bank account, really? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Look, I'm trying to tell you, it'll be the best decision you ever made. It requires trust. Many, many of you are the reason why that the fans turn on in here and that we have electricity. Look, we, we are a volunteer-run, grassroots church. It's who we are. It's who we'll always be. We're scrappers. We started in Dundalk. Need I say any more? I love you. That's, I meant that with love. Uh, I meant that with love. Uh, so much love. Need I say more? My Listen. My first two houses were in Dundalk. Come on now. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Listen to me, church. It's going to require trust. And here's the problem. The devil is really good at knowing what to put out on social media. Because I think he runs it. I'm telling you. I think he does. Look in Zuckerberg's eyes and tell me that ain't some kind. No, I'm kidding. But seriously. No. <laughs> Listen to me, listen. You, you can't live in fear. All of the stories of people that mishandled money in church and mishandled this and mishandled that and I ain't doing that, nah, nah, it's not about your money and it's not about you, it's about your trust in the Lord. Don't let the devil rob you from that next step in your faith walk. Listen, it, there's a certain point, and we talk about it often, you know, some, some of the leaders, it's like, it's not the thing of giving money. It's the thing that that's when you know, everybody knows this, right? What, where your treasure is, there will your what? Heart be also. 
So when folks give, it's like so exciting because it's like, they're in. This is their church. They believe in it. And so look, I want to invite all of you, number one, in any contribution that we give, if we do a special offering, if we say we're going to knock that wall out, we're going to try, which we're kind of in the process now of trying to figure out what we can do with our property uh, to grow and to expand and be a, a beacon of light for the gospel down here in the BQ, uh, we're going to do something, I guarantee you that. But when that time comes, start with this, trust. We often start with fear. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can be a part. Or I don't know if what I'm going to do is enough. That's shame. I should have gotten involved in that. Remember that other one we did? That's guilt, fear, shame, guilt are all three tools of the enemy. They're all three things that will keep you under the thumb of Satan. And that's where he wants you. Listen, don't start with fear. Don't start with shame. Don't start with guilt. Start with trust. Especially when it comes to your finances. Number two. Here's the second thing I see. It was something that required community. Paul instructed it on Sunday to be brought in and kept by the local church. Don't miss that point. And then he even says, I need a collaborated, a, a, <laughs> that, whatever that word is, I, I need a, a collaborative effort. There we go. With the leaders there that think of, I need you to think of some folks that could maybe help me take this. That's a pretty big offering. I need some folks that, that are trustworthy. But what I see here is it's happening within what? Their local community. What am I trying, what am I getting at? I'm saying here, your local church community should be where you give and deploy your finances. I did not say should be the only place. That's not what I said. You know, Sarah and I, we, you go to these uh, concerts and you have the world vision and the orphans. That's awesome. Definitely do it. Definitely get involved. But listen, if, if you're not able to be tied into your faith community where the boots are on the ground with the gospel, Paul's saying you're missing an opportunity. You're missing an opportunity. The second thing I see here is it was something that required community. What if we were excited with one another about what we were doing for the Lord on that level and we didn't feel like it was boasting or we didn't feel like it was prideful or we didn't feel like we were judging uh, because one gives more than the other? What? It shouldn't be that way. This idea of community is a safe place for us to come together, for us to do things uh, in a cooperative aspect. That's what I see. I see this offering as something that required community. Number three, the third thing I see is it was not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. Here's the, here's the prerequisite. Here's the line that Paul uses to see how much they should be giving. He says this, with how he is prospering. Look at verse number two. On the first day of the week, requiring community, their gatherings, each of you is to set aside and save in keeping with how he is prospering. Is Paul saying each one of you is to give the same amount? That's not what Paul's saying. Paul understands that there are business owners. Paul understands that there are elderly that, that have had their whole lives to save up. Paul understands that there are poor people in that church. Right? Remember, remember the context of how they were taking the Lord's Supper? The rich were getting smashed while the poor didn't have any bread to break? This was happening just a few chapters ago. So Paul is saying, look, this is a, a collective effort. 
And as it pertains to the collective nature of this, each one should give as the Lord prospered them this week. I got a vision for this, and we talked about it this morning in our first, in our first service. What if, and you know I'm a dreamer, right? What if we connected what we gave to the Lord with what we did during the week? What if we partnered with the Lord and we saw what we made during the week as something that he gave us to steward? How would that change what we give? How would that change how we pray? How would that change how we live? Look, if we had this idea that Paul has, look, as the Lord prospered you this week, that should be the level at which you give to the Lord. The implications of that are huge, are huge. Literally, if the Lord is leading you, some of you are very entrepreneurial. If the Lord is leading you into a season and he's leading, in, leading you into, a, into something that is maybe uncharted territory and maybe there's some risk involved, but if we knew that it was a partnership that we were going into that with the Lord and we were saying, Lord, you know that what happens here is going to happen here in the church and in the community. I'm not doing this to get rich. I'm not doing this to better me. I'm doing this for your kingdom. Where would the church be? Where would the church be? Y'all are like, he done lost it. He is crazy. No, I mean it. And listen, I mean it because this is how I live. <laughs> There's not, look, I've started some businesses in the past that were utter failures. <laughs> utter failures. And Sarah, my wife, laughs at me. I wonder how this one's going to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's going to be great. <laughs> Beans and rice for the next six months. <laughs> Matt's got an idea. Look, here's what I'm saying. I know that what I'm doing isn't for me. I know that we're partnered for a greater, bigger purpose. We're not saying that your house and your car and the things that you live with, look, we are a blessed, we live in America. We're a blessed people. Take a mission trip with me. You'll agree when we're back going to Tanzania, East Africa for 15 days. Man, your stomach doesn't even work after three, I'm telling you. <laughs> what a trip. But oh, to see what we have here. We're so beyond blessed. And, and when I look at this, l- listen to me, church. I can't help but view this in the context of where we are. Imagine if Paul were to walk in the doors in the back and ask each one of us what we do for a living. And and Paul says, I'm a tent maker. This is what I do. And that's how I make a living. What do you do? How much did you make this week? What did the Lord give you last year? And Paul starts hearing how blessed we are, how incredible our country is, what we're able to do, what we're able to make. And he goes, let's get the collection going. Let's see what we can do for the kingdom of God here. Let's see how far the gospel reaches with your resources if we all had that mentality of partnership look this is not a prosperity gospel message oh just give and it'll come back to you god bless you that's not this this is if you gave and if you bought in a hundred percent statistics show that 15 percent carries the weight of this church statistics 
15% carries the financial weight of the whole. What if 80% carried the weight? What would we do? (laughs) We'd have more seats. We'd have a bigger building. We'd have a gymnasium. We'd have a three-on-three basketball tournament every weekend. (laughs) I can't wait. Listen, I'm just saying, we got to stop limiting and start partnering. I'm going to work tomorrow, and Paul is saying, as the Lord prospered you during the week, that's what your Sunday offering looks like. Oh, my goodness, what I'm saying to you is the promotion, the limitations, the things that you think are absolutely walls that cannot be broken down. Our God is just waiting on your partnership. He's waiting on you to move. He's waiting on you to say, I don't need your money. I just want your faith. That's it. When I got this through my thick skull years and years ago, I, you know what? I wasn't even afraid to fail. Why? Because he's in the partnership too. If it doesn't succeed, I know there's what? Something else. This ain't it. God uses success and failure to put us where we need to be to find the path for the right partnership. But the problem is, is we're doing life on our own. We're not connecting our nine to five to our seat in our church on Sunday, which is why we're not sharing the gospel with our neighbors and coworkers. This is a lifestyle thing. Where you're working, say you work at the farm store and they pay you, that's the farm store money. Nope. My God owns it all. The farm store thinks that that's their money. The owners are living high on the proverbial chicken. (laughs) Anyway. They're living high on that chicken. And here's the thing. They think that it's their money. They think that they're going to just keep building it. And they are. But let me tell you something. That's really God's money that they're using. And at the end, Paul has already said in this book that in the end, what you have done for Christ is the only thing that will what? That will last. It will be gold. It will be tried in the furnace of fire. And then at that point, what is worth something will be standing there at the judgment seat of Christ. But yet we're still living our nine to five for ourselves. Look, some of you, Look, this is the most liberating, freeing thing. Many of you are giving, and you're still miserable. Don't be miserable. You're working your nine to five as an employee of the church because you're giving as the Lord prospers you. That gives you purpose in your pain. It does! This thing is transformative. This allows you to be happy when you go to work tomorrow because you're stewarding the life that the Lord gave you back to the kingdom of God. What I do here, I believe in wholeheartedly. We have, how many baptisms do we have this year at the meeting the other night? 21? 21 people this year, just this year, have followed the Lord in believers' baptism. 30 what have joined? 34 folks have come to call this their church home just in this year. Like, those are lives. Those are people that say, I... I declare my loyalty to Jesus because of what's happening here. Yes. One of them right here. Yes. One of them right there. Yes. The Lord is moving. Look, you have got to partner. What I see here, number three, it's equal sacrifice. It shows the partnership. 
this will radically change your life. This truth, this one singular truth about giving, tying what you give to what you do, allowing the Lord to bless you, allowing the Lord to guide your steps with your career, that means that you pray in those moments, in those difficult seasons, and you know the outcome is the Lord's because it's a partnership. Some of you are struggling in your jobs right now. Some of you are in a difficult season coming out of COVID, all the implications and ramifications of that. Listen, listen, it's a partnership. What you're doing, the Lord sees it. And how many of us need a little bit more Holy Ghost power on what we're doing at work? Stop, stop drawing two separate lines. It's all connected. Mm. The last one here. And, and you're going to get let out early. Number four. <laughs> I can't preach 15 minutes on one point. No way. <laughs> Number four. It was something that the church leadership planned and made provision for the distribution. When I see this collection of, for the saints in Jerusalem, I see the church leadership is moving on this. They're organizing, they're planning, and they're making provision. This goes back to point number one, how that offering required trust. In a, in a day and age, I don't know how else to say this, it's gonna seem self-serving, but it's not. Do it, does anybody believe in their leaders anymore? Does anybody? Does anybody have faith that, that the leadership will follow through? And trust me, like I'm seeing a lot of poor leadership in our country and, and with what's going on. But we cannot let that poor leadership and, and the kingdom and power of, of the forces of darkness in this world, we cannot let that dictate our faith and trust in our church leaders. We can't. We have systems and structures in place here. We have elders we just met last week. And, and we're planning and we're, we're trying to be strategic about what we have and what our resources are here. But what that requires is for the people of God to trust in their leaders. To trust that I'm not on an island. Look, I've attended many a church in the past that the pastor was the end-all, be-all. What he thought, said, goes, and, and that's it. I'm one vote in the room. That's, that's the honest truth. Yes, the Lord leads. Yes, the Lord gives vision. Um, you know, there's no shortage of that. That's why I'm the lead pastor where I, I help inspire and bring vision. I hope to inspire and lead you through the preaching of God's word. But ultimately, when it comes to church leadership, like our systems and structures here are healthier than I've ever seen. Our leaders, our elders, our finances. We have three women on our financial board. I'm sorry, I mean, that's enough said, right, Karen? Three women. Ain't no penny, ain't no penny getting lost. I mean, they're like, two of them are business owners and one can read a spreadsheet like nobody's business. I just show up and I'm like, all right, how we doing? <laughs> how we doing? <laughs> Man, I've never seen the type of oversight that we have here. It's incredible. And the Lord is blessing it. He's blessing it. 80%, I'd say about 80% of the folks that come through our starting point class are giving within, within like literally the first week to two weeks after they join. It takes on average over six months for a person to, that joins an average church just to start contributing financially. We're seeing way beyond that. What does that say? It shows that you all trust the process, and you're trusting the leadership here. 
And I just want to share, in a day and age when there is absolutely no trust, because leaders have continued to fail and let down, let's not do that in the church house. Let's keep the word. What do we say here? Simply who? Yeah. Look, you'll know when it's off. You'll know when the Spirit of God doesn't show up. And when it's like, huh, (laughs) okay, one of these things is not like the other. It's just not. But until then, and I'm not saying challenges won't happen, things don't come up, it, it always does. We're all people, men or men at best, right? We struggle, we have feet of clay. But ultimately, the Lord leads us, he calls us, he equips us, and we have to live in our calling. We have to live that out and trust that the Lord, look, (laughs) if there's one thing I've seen, because I've been around the block as far as church work goes, the Lord will not be made a fool. Those that have mishandled and done things that they shouldn't, the Lord always gets the last word. Always. I've seen it over and over and over again. But let's not let those situations and those things and those horrible stories control us in fear as to how we operate in our giftings and what the Lord has given us. What am I saying? I'm saying this, look, if we were a part of Paul's missionary journey for the collection, what would our offering look like? Think about that. What would our offering look like? What would we be able to, as the church down here in BQ, what would we be able to contribute? What would we be able to pull together and support the work of God as the Lord leads in the leadership team? What would it look like? Listen, this is for you as much as it is for the whole. This is for your trust to grow and expand. If we don't grow in this area, we're inhibiting. It's like a new believer that decides they don't want to get baptized or they don't want to move forward with that step, right? It's, it's like the, the, the wall or the rock to their growth. Why? Because the Lord says, follow me in what? Believer's baptism. Just an illustration. Some of you have pulled up short at your pocketbook. You love being a part. You love coming. You love being involved. And you're like, I just don't know if I can. And my point today is that it's all what? It's all connected. The Lord can't have your heart without having your wallet. And it's not equal giving. It's up to who? To you to pray and determine. Any pastor that stands up and says, you need to be given 10%. Right off the top. Anything else is faith on, you know. I believe that's wrong in a New Testament model. And I believe we can say with confidence that it's wrong. It's probably far above 10%. No, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Got him! (laughs) You have to determine according to the Lord's blessing in your own life. Thanks for tuning in for this message on the Bethlehem Church Podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. If you want to know more about us, feel free to check out our website at bethlehemchurch.cc. And also in every message that we publish, you'll find our sermon notes in the description. And we hope that you'll study these topics further. We'll see you next time.